Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the customer discovery panel. Hello. My name is Stephanie, and I will be the moderator of this panel. I am the owner and operator of Summer Street Creative, a graphic design, branding, and brand strategy company here in PEI. I am also a new resident company at the Startup Zone as well. So, hello. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Well, we have some really, really special guests here today. We have Mark Hobbs from Fundmetrics, Mary Kilfoy from LaunchDAL Norman and Norman Newman Center from for Entrepreneurship, and Peter Gifford from Propel. Mark, would you like to start off by giving everyone a brief introduction on yourself and your background and what you do? Sure. My name's Mark Hobbs. I'm the co-founder of a company called Fundmetric. We're based in New Brunswick, and we do uh, artificial intelligence algorithms for charities. So it's a software platform that helps charities raise more money by predicting donor behavior. And Mary? Hi, everyone. I'm, my name is Mary Kilfoyle. I'm director for the Norman Newman Center for Entrepreneurship at Dalhousie University and the lead for the LaunchDAL program, which is entrepreneurship programming both sort of in the classroom, support for curricular, but most of what we do is outside the classroom, including um, competitions, fireside chats, all those usual things, an accelerator, and moving more toward year-round programming that, that feeds, the, feeds the ecosystem. Go ahead, Peter. I'm Peter Gifford. I'm one of the entrepreneurs in residence with Propel ICT. Um, it's actually just Propel now. I, I get that wrong all the time. Um, so we run a virtual accelerator across Atlantic Canada. Uh, we've actually just accepted our first cohort of companies. I think we're working with 24 companies from right across Atlantic Canada. I think there are four from here in PEI. Uh, and we get loads of companies from Mary's program and a number of the other programs in Atlantic Canada. Um, so we get 130 applications, which was crazy. Um, so basically what we try and do uh, is take people past the idea stage uh, and get them, get, get them customers and, and hopefully position them so that they're ready to take investment. Awesome. Cool. So to get the ball rolling, my first question will be, what is customer discovery to you and why is it important? I think customer discovery to me is everything. Uh, it's, uh, in my mind, it's the only thing that matters. Mark hopefully will disagree with me on this, but that, that's okay. We, at the stage that we work with uh, companies, uh, we tend to see a lot of folks who are super passionate about their ideas, um, and often the, the ideas are really, really incredible, um, but they haven't really spoken to enough customers or they don't know yet who their customers are, or my current favorite is my customers are everyone. And, and so what I think is that starting a company is incredibly hard. Knowing who your customers is makes that process a lot easier. And so it's incredibly important to spend time talking to your customers early on. Um, just so you know, Mark and Peter are going to be saying things so, so that they can argue with one another. I'm <laughs> sitting in the middle. But little do they know, it might be me they're arguing with. Um, I, I agree um, that customer discovery is an ongoing process. I think a lot of people think of it as something you do up front, and then when you're done with that, you go on to starting your business. And uh, because we're working at the very, very early stage within the university, 
oftentimes with uh, people f from the sciences or engineering that haven't done entrepreneurship, it's so critical that they think of customer discovery as really uh, stepping back a little bit, doing more listening than talking, and really understanding opportunities that are there and uh, understanding their business model from start to finish, and it's ongoing. So it's, it's very much a skill uh, that they will take with them into their into their business. It's less about, uh, and also helping them to understand that a customer is not just the paying customer. It is everyone that uh, along the way to help you take your idea from a, it, once it becomes sort of a, a shaped into a venture to get it to that customer, influencers, recommenders, all of that. Um, and it's a process that, I think it's core to an entrepreneur, but we just didn't call it customer discovery before. Yeah, um, so I, I customer discovery uh, is part of every almost every conversation I have, but I would I would define it as a series of questions to discover who's going to buy your your product and really figuring out why they're going to buy it. And I, I think the huge red herring that exists is you can ask questions and especially around here nobody will tell you they don't like your product so if you're looking for somebody to give you negative feedback you really have to dig uh joe will um but he's in the front row if you want to meet him after but uh uh you know i, I think the big problem is you're going to walk away from 100 percent of your customer discovery interviews having asked questions that only affirm your hypothesis and so, to me, it's figuring out how do you get to the, the thing. And I'll tell, I'll tell a story later that will start an argument. But uh, that, to me, it's, it's the series of questions that actually uh, – and reading the space between them. So what didn't they tell you that's going to be a big problem for you? Yeah, that's definitely an aspect. Um, what do you think are the biggest problems seen in customer discovery approaches? And what do you think the solutions could be? So I think the, the, in the early stages, this isn't true forever. Um, in the early stages, I think the companies that I see do the best job with this are ones that are doing it, doing the hard work. And so that means making phone calls, taking meetings, having co actual conversations. Uh, w what I'm not telling you is the answer to the question, and that is I think the, the the people tend to look for the easy ways to do customer discovery. People have used things like LinkedIn Helper or like an email automation list with 37 drips on your first contact. Like those kinds of things work well later, but, but you need to know what you have to put in that message to convert them. And the best way to figure that out is with real conversations with folks. And it's not scalable and it takes a whole lot of time and it's a pain. And I know that you have other more important things to do, but this is your business. And if you don't understand them, you're not going to be able to figure out how to go faster later. Uh, I'm, I, I would add to that in that very early stage, it's helping people step back from their idea and not fall in love with it. And not consider it to be, you know, I want to build X and therefore I have to go find customers to buy X. 
uh, do not assume that you've ever got it right. So we do a lot of work in that really early stage to help people actually step back from their idea, sort of tear it apart a little bit, and again, building on what Mark said earlier, if somebody tells you that they would never buy it or they would never use it, don't ever miss an opportunity. Because in my mind, the conversation got very interesting all of a sudden. And so find out why and what is it about it, what are they, all of the usual things that you want to know. Um, and again, we use a series of mentors as sounding boards. The mentors don't ever solve it for the entrepreneur, but they are the, they are the truth that, you know, they, they keep their feet uh, to the fire, so to speak. So they will always be questioning what is it that you're finding from your customer discovery uh, and helping them make sense of it, yeah. So I think maybe most useful is, is to sort of start with the the story of how we got started. So we, when we had to do first do it, we ha you have to get a meeting. You have to get these people almost face-to-face -face or, on, you know, at least on web conference. You cannot do this through automation. But when we started, we actually got a friend who is in, in the industry working who we were trying to sell to to introduce us to 30 people and get him to make the ask to get the half-hour meeting. And that got us meetings with people who told us only what we wanted to hear. Um, <laughs> so uh, that's how n to do it one way. Uh, if I was doing it over, I would take a different approach. Um, but I think that that's an example of how you can get and you can think you've done all this work. And at the end of it, you realize, well, yeah, but our revenue isn't isn't – lining up with where we thought it would be. So what did we do wrong? And we had to go back and and ask these people, okay, in our initial conversation you said this and now you're saying this. And that's when we really got it. So setting yourself up to do that faster would be my, my recommendation. And that's not an endorsement of automated techniques to do that. That's just knowing that they're not going to write that check after you've done everything they said they wanted um, is th then you can actually discover why, and maybe then you can build something useful. Awesome. All right, so my next question is, what is your biggest advice as to how to navigate discovering your customers, and what questions should you be asking? All right, so um, for, for me, the biggest acid test that I used to use is, okay, you said you love the, I mean, we essentially, one of our components is a CRM. We'd never describe that. We try not to tell our investors we're anything close to a CRM, but one of the components is a CRM. And everybody hates the current market-leading CRM in our space. So we thought, great, we can build a better one. And then they said, well, we're not going to change our CRM. And I thought, okay. And so this whole thing of, like, everybody hates the competition, therefore we'll be better, was a complete lie in terms of getting customers. So that was the number one thing. Don't take negative feedback on your competition as positive endorsement of your, your idea. Uh, we did get success, and maybe this is more helpful. What we did was we built an intelligent layer to go over top of the other CRMs to provide them with the benefit they wanted while not forcing the complete adoption curve. 
because that's always the big problem. You you not only have to uh, do this, you got to go to a hair on fire problem that they need to make that change, and you just don't have enough juice when you're first starting, especially if you're undercapitalized. But if you're undercapitalized, start with, okay, can we do a partnership, right? Can you actually help me understand this? Will you work with me to get there? Um, and you have to have, uh, you know, a problem that they actually need solved. And the biggest thing is, what do you have to do in the next 12 months? What's the strategic objective that your boss has set out for you? And then, can I talk to your boss? Okay, well, what's your strategic objective? How does that work? And eventually, you'll get to the top. You'll end up with the top-level guys, and you can go down and say, okay, we're solving at this level. Does everybody understand that? So we're not maybe solving at the executive level. We're solving problem the managers have, whatever it is. But that's, you know, kind of how we we did it. We ended up having to basically map entire organizations and then realizing that most of our organizations operate the same way, have the same challenges, sell to that specific pain. So our we do a lot of things, but we just tell our customers, we build you a smarter list that's going to convert at 30% higher. That's what we've statistically done. That's the beginning, middle, and end of the value proposition. And although we ought to do automation and a whole bunch of other bells and whistles, we sell that. Then we have our customer success team and other people do other things. Does that make sense in terms of how we, we did it? And I know I just moved to sales, which I think is probably <laughs> supposed to spark something with Peter, but uh, 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 I'll leave it there. Uh, so I'm seeing Wendy uh, sitting in, uh, in the audience as well. So um, customer discovery, I would say um, it doesn't – Mark mentioned, you know, going into a company and finding people that love it and then ground-truthing that with the top of the company to see – because I can, I can name example after example where somebody had a great idea, they went in, they talked to, they ended up talking to the wrong company, and this is a person within the company, and this is particularly true for, you know, sort of the B2B solution. So making sure that you are understanding how it fits operationally, how it solves the pain operationally, but your work is not done. You then have to figure out, is this a fit and do they buy into it, and do they see this as creating value from those decision makers who are actually going to be buying it? And like, there's lots of examples where we had we had um, somebody that had a pilot. Uh, the company was paying for that pilot, but it wasn't going to go any. It wasn't going to go beyond that, and they had to. It caused them enough of a change that they had to come back and and sort of rethink who their who their target segment was. Um, and again, it's, it's this ongoing process of understanding what it is that they do now, doing what's solving their problem, and constantly, I call it looking for opportunities, because sometimes that customer doesn't know exactly what you could do for them. And it's the constant conversation being out front. And you as an entrepreneur have to be having those conversations instead of hiring someone else to do it um, or, or, or having somebody on your team go do it. Uh, that's, that's very, very key. So agree with that last point. I'm, I'm going to look at it from what we're trying to do with the accelerator. I think ultimately the thing that we're trying to do is build companies that have got kind of an engine or a machine for growth. 
um, and that is that they've got a repeatable sales model. So I, I think sales is not a bad thing. I think it's a good thing. Um, and, and so what we want to do is try and help companies figure out who they need to phone. Um, to Mark's point of you, it's not necessarily the first person you speak to. It's who is the person and what is the pain that they have so that you know that when you pick up the phone uh, five times out of ten, Ideally, I mean, that's a very optimistic number, but let's say five times out of 10, they're going to say, yeah, I'm ready to have a second conversation with you. Um, and, and so in the early stages, I think um, people tend not to dig deep. And anybody who's worked with me tends to know that I um, force you to dig deeper on the challenge, on the problems that you're trying to solve for the companies. And so, like, it's not good enough to just say, oh, my competition sucks. Like, I thought that was a really good yeah, we get that all the time. You know, su such and such is a, sh a sh I'm going to say shitty solution. Um, mine is better. And, and like, okay, but so what? So like, what is the real pain that you're solving for that company? For Mark, it's about getting 30% better conversion rates on your donor list. Like that's a, pr who doesn't want that? If you're raising, the, it gets so clear and it has nothing to do with any of the technology that he de develops or anything else. What is the pain that you're solving for the customer that you're trying to, to bring on board? And then who is the customer and how many of them are there? And can you go and find repeatable groups of customers that look like that? So you're not phoning people and telling them something new each time you phone them. I mean, those are the companies that we want to work with. Um, and it, I think it, it tends to be easier. There's loads of companies that do it slightly differently, and they're selling very customized solutions. Um, but for the companies that we're thinking about, it's, it's how do I find that customer? How do I articulate their pain in a way that is meaningful to them? Uh, and then how do I go and get more of them? I always... Um, just building on something Peter said, you know, the, the, the companies or the teams, if you will, that I work with initially they'll talk about the value proposition as if it's it's still um, they're talking about the features or we do this uh, you know this is what we this is the problem we solve but it's it's from their their own eyes right and what changes is you know doing the deep dives that that Peter is talking about but making sure that you're having those repeat visits really understanding the problem inside out very well that you're trying to solve and they come back and they're talking about the value proposition from the using the words of their customers that's when you know you've done that you've done some you've done customer discovery it's no longer from the sort of bells and whistles and features it's you're talking about it with a deep understanding very, very quickly, I'll give you three questions that we used to, to really take the company and triple the revenue. It was, why should a customer care? Why should they believe what we're telling them? And why should they join us on this journey to build it? And being very transparent about that. So if you can answer why they should care, and I used to just say to them, like, why do you care what like about helping me oh we want to help the ecosystem whatever like a lot of charities want to help you uh, build a better product i don't care um personally i don't care whether you you want to help me or not i want to know why do you care about this problem and if i can't link it back to your day job your performance bonus your thing i i haven't done it so why should they care why should they believe that we're the guys to do it 
So that's where credibility, that's where getting into programs like Propel can help. Propel, they don't know this, and I don't tell them this, but they kicked off our revenue um, using Propel. And my entire mission was to actually sell Propel the software, and I did that. Um, uh, but uh, the, they didn't use it, and that's a, that's a whole other story. Um, and then... Uh, um, so you want to talk customer discovery? I failed. I can tell that story later. But we're, we're, so we're in a customer. I mean, it turns out that you've got a business, and it's okay that we're not. The, well, sorry, I know that I don't have the mic, but like, it's totally okay that we're not a customer. Yeah. I, I apologize, Mark. I'm sorry that we're not. Um, <laughs> but like, it's okay that we're not a customer. It's okay to call somebody and find out that they're not a customer. That's like, that's the the best outcome. You haven't wasted any more time with us. No, You're no. on to like. Sorry, you're on to Amnesty and a few other pretty prominent uh, charities. You know, like that. It's okay that you don't. You're not wasting time trying to sell to Propel. We're not your customer. And so, the faster you can get to the point that you understand, <laughs> the faster you can get to the point where you can figure out is this person a customer or not, the better. And then, and you'll know that because you've spent the time early on doing the hard work of trying to figure out what the pains are. So you can get on the phone and start asking two or three questions and say, okay, well, listen, this call is not going anywhere. You're, you're not, and maybe you, f you finish it out and you have a nice conversation with them, but you know you're never phoning that person back again, right? Like how quickly can you get to the no in your mind so that you stop wasting time? Why do you join? Why should they join? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you need to get them on board. The, the, the adoption is your biggest challenge with customer discovery. So it's not actually do you have a problem because if, if, you, if you're not past that point, then, then that's an earlier stage. Um, but once, like, if they don't use it, I can get the biggest schools in the world to buy this software. We're good enough at... It's sort of the presentation and the wow factor to do that. They won't adopt it. So we have to literally sit down and say, we are, you are assigning this much staff resources to try this out. And that's going to tell us what the adoption rate are. And there's, a, there's an app called WindSpeed that Matt Williamson, who, who's working here, built um, that you guys should all check out. But that's the tool we use to to track our adoption. And that sort of adoption, you've got to be checking with them. What's, what's the problem? How are we solving it? And that's, so customer discovery, when we talk about ongoing, that's what we mean by ongoing. It's not sort of, well, we did our customer discovery and that's done. <laughs> These are not year-end financial statements, which also seem to work like customer discovery. But that's a separate problem. <laughs> so... So I'll leave it there. I think we'll open it, the questions up to the audience. If any of you guys have any burning questions for our panelists, now's the time. What's, what's the biggest pitfall you see in customer discovery? For me, it's customers lie to me. Uh, they want to tell me what I want to hear. And my own people. So once you get a few people on your team, they lie to you. Um, they don't lie to you intentionally but they don't understand that you're going to run out of money, right? That's how this works. You, you know, if you get a bunch of investment, you got to get to milestone X or you're explaining to Daniel and MBIF and the rest of the crew why you didn't get to X. 
which is not a fun conversation. And and then you're trying to sell them something else to get us to why, and uh, that's not good. So you're going to run out of money, and people just want to tell you what you want to hear. And um, they don't realize, like, my entire life is wrapped up in actually solving the problem. And if it's going to take me three months longer, that's an easier case to pitch than, oh, we we actually were in denial the entire time. So I'd say customers are also in denial. We don't have a problem. We've got this sorted out. Not your customer, right? Like that's um, – if you can't get that comment, that's the why should we join. Why do you want 30% higher? Everybody wants that. What are you willing to do to get there is the real question that you've got to do. And and you see it in their eyes, right? When you're actually on webcam with them and you start talking about what it's going to take to transform a charity and to do more good in the world and help the most vulnerable people, you can see it in their eyes whether you've connected, actually made that sale, if you want to call it that, or not. And if you're not seeing it in their eyes and you're not able to connect with them, you've done something wrong. So if their mouth is moving and their eyes are not, you've probably screwed up. Um, you know, but it, that's my take. Um, I come back to, you know, in some ways not, again, not really under, understanding that problem, but even a little bit before that, and that is being so in love with your idea that you can't even see the opportunity that might be right in front of you. So, you know, I'm working within the university, so you have teams that are working on artificial intelligence, machine learning, solar film, you know, battery power, all of these technologies, and they're going to go in and they're going to solve these problems for these companies. And they have a vision of what that is. And so we have to work very hard to actually undo that and help them not be in love with that, not have any preconceptions of what, what that company needs or wants. And sometimes it takes several iterations. I can tell you that they'll pitch week after week after week until the mentors finally say no. And we're all saying the same thing. You need to understand what you're hearing, and you're not still, still not understanding what that company needs. Um, and they're not, they're literally not able to hear what people are telling them or even fill in the gaps because the customers, as Mark said, oftentimes the customers also don't know what they need. And so they need to go back, uh, uh, go back a few steps from falling in love with that idea and go in and take a fresh look, uh, fresh eyes with talking, talking to that customer or that, that, that company and several people within it. I, t I totally agree with that. I'm going to take a different lens on it. Um, so I think entrepreneurship is sexy right now. I think it's been sexy for the last little bit. Um, and I think in general, people are not willing to do the hard work that's required. And uh, like, like, listen, I have a failed startup. I, I get it. And I'm accusing myself of this as well. So I, th I think with a grain of salt, know that most people are not working hard enough to understand their customers to the level that they need to so that they're able to be successful. And I, I'm going to give you an example of this. That's, so um, 
If you haven't checked out Hey Orca, you totally should. They're uh, they're an incredible company that I got to work with a few years ago. Um, and Joe Tia is the founder there, uh, and I hope he doesn't mind me telling this story. Anyway, we went out for drinks one evening, um, and I think we were done at like it was an early night. It, we were done at twelve, and I said, "Hey man, do you want to? We can split a cab. I'm going home, drop you off along the way." And he said, "No, I've got to go back to the office." And I said, "I don't. I don't what do you mean? It's twelve, you know." You've got tomorrow, and he's like, no, I need to set up my call sheet for tomorrow so that when I go in, I'm able to start my calls because I need to do X number of calls tomorrow so that I can have X number of Y number of conversations with the hope of closing Z number of customers. And so it didn't matter that he went out for drinks. It was the discipline that on that night he had to go back to work so that he could put his call sheet together so that he had the possibility of closing the right number of customers the next day. And it's, he didn't know that he would. There's nothing that's going to guarantee that those people he put on the list were going to convert. It was about the discipline that was required to get there. And I was like, okay, I get it. And I mean, like, when you look at the progress that, that he has made as a founder, and I mean, we're yet to see where Hey Orca goes. Um, I think that the early discipline that he applied to growing that company allowed him to see a little bit of a breakout early on. And so I, I, with respect, like unlimited respect to entrepreneurs um, and to the difficulty of entrepreneurship, I would say that I think in general people are not working hard enough or are not working diligently enough on figuring out their customers uh, early along. And so they're like surface level stuff. They'll tell you that they've done customer discovery and they've done five calls. I mean, Mary, we work, we worked with some of your companies and, and like, I love coming into your program, <laughs> but, but we're there. It's just so early and they think they've got it figured out off five calls. Uh, and so I think the biggest pitfall is not working hard enough early and the dividends that that pays later. I think the other thing is, you know, now most people are using the lean canvas or vari variation of the lean canvas, and I talk to people about this a lot, and they, they'll, they'll say, oh, yes, I've done the canvas, and I've got it all filled out, you know, and thinking that that's, that's the end of the story. So it's almost a negative in some regards to, to sort of have that as something you could fill out and then thinking that it's done as if it's, it's finished now. Um, in a lot of cases... We've actually had to encourage the the person to actually shut down the business that they had and and do not just a pivot, uh, you know, the, the, this term pivot, but a major what I call a reboot. And and it's just that they the technology's there, but the problem isn't there, or that it cr the value isn't there. And so we want to have companies coming out of our program that are resilient enough that they can have traction, whether they go into Propel, whether they go out to other accelerators, whether they're going to wh wherever they're going. And some of them start even without an accelerator. But it means that they do have to do all that hard work. And sometimes it's painful to, to say, look, you've got the technology, but your technology is looking for a problem, and you haven't found it. You've found a problem, but you haven't found one that people are willing to pay for. Awesome. All right, guys. So we are at our end of our time. So let's give a big applause to our guests. <laughs>